We've mentioned several who we need to continue to keep in our prayers. And we need to also continue to keep Elaine Massey in our prayers. It's a difficult time for her with Tommy. It's not doing very well. So she's particularly needs her prayers. She just recently lost her mother, and now her husband is, is not doing very well. So please keep her and the family in your prayers as well. <clears throat> Before services started this morning, there were several of us that were in the foyer, and George had made a comment about talking about who was going to lead singing. And he mentioned he'd rather lead singing than he would preach. And uh, I don't know, but I think he had a good introduction for a good sermon. Uh, feel like I think he needs to further develop that. I'm looking at him in the back. I think he needs to further develop that and preach that to us one day. Uh, he had a good start on it and it's some good thoughts in there that we need to be mindful of. Human beings have to be able to have some concept that they can relate to to understand something that they may not fully understand. It's the way God has made us. And so when we think about the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we need some something to identify with that we could better understand what's involved and what we cannot fully comprehend. So the terms are used. We understand the term father. We can identify with a father. We, we identify with an image, if you will. And it's hard for us as we're dealing with spirit, God, who does not have a physical form to work with, but we work with the term or the concept of father so we can draw an image to our mind. We can do that with the Son, Jesus Christ. We know he had a physical form, but so we can look at that, but because he's a Son, we can draw to our mind an image of a being that we could call the Son of God. Now, the Holy Spirit, when you talk about spirit, you're in another realm, if you will. Uh, we have no concept to work with to, to identify the spirit. So, rest assured, mankind has really done a good job in trying to come up with some things along the line. I don't have a good illustration, but the closest I could come was when a, a woman becomes pregnant and has an ultrasound, and you see an image in there. And they say, can't you see the baby's eyes or the nose and so forth? And you look at that image and it really doesn't look like much to some of us. To the mother, it looks precious. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we kind of struggle with it. That might be the closest I can come to saying, we want something that we can identify as the Holy Spirit. And since we do not, we have come up with various things as to how he works and what he does, and I'm using the pronoun he. That is the way the scriptures use the pronoun concerning the spirit, he. But we understand he, he speaks. But we want to know how does he work in our lives? Well, how does God work in our lives? How does Christ work in our lives? So how does the spirit work in our lives? We're always looking for some, or some are looking for a mysterious way that he, the Holy Spirit, 
somehow speaks to us or influences us in ways that the Father and the Son do not. But as we read in the scripture reading this morning, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit and that he would bring to their remembrance the things that he spoken. But he would only speak the things that, the, that Jesus had given him to speak. But he speaks. But how does he speak to us? The word of the Spirit is, the sword of the Spirit is the word. He uses the word that he has given to us. We're looking for some, or some seem to be, and even in the brotherhood, some mysterious little voice in their head saying, this is what I want you to do. Here is what you should be doing. He speaks through his word that he guided the apostles and the other men to write so that we could have a record of what it is that God has for us to do within our lives. The Holy Spirit speaks. He expressly says in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, He speaks. God spoke. Jesus spoke. The Holy Spirit speaks. So there's nothing unusual about His speaking as opposed to the Father and to the Son speaking as well. Wait a says, because I cannot picture... See, I can picture a Father... But God is not the picture that I can imagine, if you will. How do I imagine a spiritual being that transcends this universe that he has created, that is a spirit, but does not have a fleshly form as we want to view a being as having? That applies to the Father, applies to the Son, and applies to the Holy Spirit. But because we use the word spirit, then our imagination tends to go a little bit wild along the way. But he's not speaking in the still of the night. He works through his word that he's given to us. If we let, if we meditate on his word, if we dwell on his word, there are times in our lives when we're about to do something that the word comes to mind and says, no, no, you do not need to do that. But it's because of the word that is left. That's what guides us through our lives. Through the, the faith that we have in what God has done. We read in Acts 8 and verse 29. That the Spirit spoke and gave directions to Philip. As he went down to talk to the man from Ethiopia. He guides, he speaks. Jesus did as well and as did the Father. But again... We need to be careful about trying to give the Spirit something that He's not doing. He's not working apart from the Word that He gave us. That's the sword of the Spirit, is the Word of God. That's His weapon that He uses. He's not going to speak to you in the still of the night and say, David, you know, that what you did wasn't right. But David in his mind may draw the from a scripture that says what I did was not right. But I'm not hearing a voice saying, David, what you did was wrong. It doesn't work that way. He uses the word of God as his weapon. You let the word of God, meditate on the word of God, the scriptures, 
which came from the Spirit, reminds us, let your mind meditate on these things. Let your mind dwell on the Word of God. Let it fill your heart. And as it fills your heart and as it fills your mind, then it will come to you as you do certain things, as you live your life. Drive these wonderful highways of Dallas and the drivers always behave courteously and respectfully as you're on the road. And you're never tempted to say something that you ought not to say. And then you get to remind yourself, listen, no. Well, the Spirit's not saying, David, control your temper. Don't let that get the best of you. But the Word of God tells me, be careful. Control your temper. So the Scripture is called to mind. There's not that voice there that we want, that some are saying that they hear. There's some who want to say, well, I don't hear the Spirit speaking to me, so I must not be a child of God. He's not speaking the way that we want to hear as we look at it. And we have to go back to, again, the only thing we know about God, the only thing we know about Jesus, the only thing we know about the Holy Spirit, is what they have left for us to guide us through this life. These are the words that we are to live by, is what God has given to us. We read over in Acts 10, verse 19 and 20, that the Spirit spoke to Peter and gave him a charge concerning the Gentiles. He speaks as he did in those days. But he, as he comes back and as was read in the reading this morning, he could only speak what Jesus gave to him to speak. He is limited in that capacity. There is that unity. It's hard to sometimes try to describe uh, three in one. The God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. To realize they're equal, but they are separate. They have different functions. God is the Father. He is the one that makes the final decision, if you will. There is the Son. And then there is the Spirit. The Son is subject to the Father, and the Spirit is subject to the Son, who is subject to the Father. But it's also the understanding that a Spirit cannot say anything, cannot do anything, that is contrary to what the Father or the Son would give to Him to speak. So we could bring that on down for us today. Regardless of what a person says, the only thing that you're going to understand that comes from God is what you have found within the pages of God's Word. That you will know. That this is the testimony of the Spirit who was given instructions by the Son who did the will of the Father. So here you have God's will for us, preserved for us. Do we take the time to listen to what God has said? The Holy Spirit teaches, John fourteen twenty six, as we read. He will teach the apostles all things. But again, only what Jesus gave to him to speak. God's not saying one thing. Jesus is not saying another thing. And the Spirit's not saying another thing. They're all saying the same thing. And again, the only record that we have of what God, Jesus, or the Spirit spoke is what's been recorded for us and what we call the Bible. That is the only record we have, and that's the only way that we will know what it is that God wants us to do, 
The only way that we will know what Jesus wants us, us, us to do, and the only way that we will know what the Spirit wants us to do, is by the Word of God. There are no exceptions. There are no still voices in the night telling you something that you want to do. It's only what we have recorded for us within the pages of God's Word, and that's where the teaching is done. Again, note that Jesus consistently referred to the Holy Spirit as He. We have those in the brotherhood want to call the Holy Spirit an it. Because they cannot identify with what a spirit looks like. To them, the spirit has no form, shape, or fashion, so it has to be an it. Scriptures always refer to the spirit. And the masculine pronoun, he. The spirit says, or he says. The spirit wrote. The spirit is a he. Is a personality. And again, just trying to comprehend that which is incomprehensible. God. How do you comprehend God? I see his universe. It declares the glory of God. And the earth is his footstool. I can see that. But trying to still picture that which is spiritual that is beyond anything that we can even perceive of. And yet to know that that be so loved you and me as a human being with a beginning of days, with an end of days, a brevity of life as a vapor, mistakes made, why, that's why Jesus was sent, because we sin and fall short of the glory of God. That he loves us individually and collectively as his body. That he works his will out in our lives. And again, how do we fully even begin to comprehend that? The spirit is a personal being and not an impersonal force. Again, we've had those in the brotherhood again who just want to declare that the Spirit is a knit. It's just a, a force that's out there, no way to describe it. Well, again, how do you describe God without using human terms or Christ without using human terms? But he is a being who bears witness. He testifies of Jesus in John 15 Verses 26 and 27. He testifies of Jesus. He bears witness to who he is. He guides, he hears, he speaks, and he tells. He would carry on and complete the work that was started by Jesus in John 16, verses 12 and 13. He will finish it out. But again through that written word that he would have the apostles write. They were guided by the Spirit as they wrote. As Jesus said, I cannot speak anything other than what the Father has given to me. The words that I speak, Jesus said, are the words of my Father. 
The deeds that I do are the deeds of my Father. The same thing would be true of the Spirit. The works that he does are the works of the Father. The deeds that he, the, he does or the words that he speaks are the words of the Father. Jesus said, I cannot speak anything other than what the Father gave me to speak. Same thing with the Spirit. What John is recording for us. He will not speak of his own initiative. He will not speak anything that's contrary to what has already been given. He cannot. It's impossible for him to speak anything contrary to what has already been given. God in his foreknowledge had planned that from the foundation of the world. He had executed that throughout human history. And we need to be reminded again that the execution of human history is what? What is time in the eyes of God? We see thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We see generation after generation after generation. We see the rise and falls of nations here and there throughout history. But what are they in relationship to God? He's working his will out. How long shall this world stand? No one knows except the Father. But it matters not how long it stands. It still pales in comparison to eternity. Without beginning of days and without end of days. How do we conceive or how do we picture what eternity is? We have our terms that we've used, but again, do they really describe? Do they give us a full meaning of what eternity is? Eternity with God. How can you describe that? We sing songs of heaven, and we use terms that we can relate. The only thing we can do is use terms we can can relate to. And satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But I'm looking for that mansion in heaven. And all those other songs that we have. I'm looking for that mansion, that dwelling place in heaven. And as one song says, and I want to invite the archangel as guest. We can only use human terms, that's all we have. To try to understand that which is spiritual and eternal and beyond our comprehension. How do you describe heaven? A spiritual place. How do you describe it? How do you, what are its boundaries? And we can read what Revelation has to say. But it's just simply used in terms that we can relate to. To see what it would be like to be in the, as we use the term, in the presence of God. In the presence of the angels in the presence of the saints that have gone before us, that we shall eternally be with the Father. He was active in the first century, as was Jesus active in the first century. He would talk to the apostles and guide them. A time when he would forbid them from going into a certain area, as he did in Acts 16, verses 6 and 7. 
talking about that a little bit this morning as we were beginning our study in, in First Thessalonians. About the Spirit guiding, directing Paul for the work that he had set out for them to do. And they were forbidden to go into Asia and instead they had to wait for the Macedonian call to go into Philippi. And there they meet a lady from Asia who was the first convert in, in, in uh, Macedonia. But because he had a direction for them, that did not mean that someone else did not also have a direction for them to go into Asia. Later on, we're told that all of Asia had heard the word. And then we can read in Revelation, the seven churches of Asia. So we know that this, because Paul was forbidden to go into Asia, does not mean that they were not to hear the word of God. It simply means that Paul, that the Spirit had another purpose for Paul to go at that particular time. And he works that way in our lives if we let him and that we trust him and the doing of his will. He intercedes on our behalf. We always wonder about how he's going to do that. How does he intercede on our behalf? He lays our request before the Father. God, or Jesus, lays our request before the Father as well. He intercedes in ways or groanings that we do not understand. Do you understand the inner working of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Do you know how they work together and how it all falls into place? I do not. I leave that to God. His word reminds me, I petition God. The Spirit's involved in it. Christ is involved in it. The, whole, the Father is involved in it. I can leave it there. How that works, I do not need to know. I'm glad it works. I'm glad he hears our prayers. And I'm glad he answers them in accordance with his will. I don't know about you, but there have been many times when I've been thankful that I heard a no, or the answer was no. I didn't hear the no, but the answer was no. And I look at it years down the road and say, thank you, Father, for not answering that prayer in the way that I had asked it. You know, as children, small children, we got children, <clears throat> they never ask anything that would be harmful for them, do you? There's about three boys here that probably be thinking four coming up there as well. And five, there's another one out there, six, seven. Now we got a bunch of boys. Uh, and there's something about boys and cars uh, and, and that wanting to do things along that line. We'll leave all those stories behind that the, that the fathers could tell you about their days with cars when they were teenagers. Uh, some that the parents know about and some that the parents don't know about. Uh, remember a family had four boys and the boys are up in their 60s and 70s and as they get together for family reunions, four boys and they get together and they get to talking as they do, you know, remember when, remember when, and they get to a point and they look around and they look at mother and they say, oh, mom's not ready to hear that one yet. <clears throat> Mom's in her 90s, and she's not ready to hear those stories. There must be some good stories. We're simply saying, we petition the Father. He hears, he answers. 
do not need to know all the ins and the outs and the whys, but he intercedes for us uh, in Romans 8, 26. Uh, just as Christ makes intercession for us in Romans 8, 34. So, same chapter. One, the Spirit intercedes for us, and the other, Christ intercedes for us. Petition in the Father that his will would be done within our lives. The Spirit has a mind in Romans 8, 27. The mind of the Spirit. He has knowledge. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11. He has a lot of qualities that are again described to the Father, to the Son, and of course of necessity would be applied to the Spirit. Again, just the word Spirit. Father, we understand. Son, we understand. Spirit, we do not understand. Cannot conjure up in our mind what that might be like. But understand, there is God the Spirit, just as real as God the Son and God the Father. A personality, all of those in subjection to the Father above. He can be grieved, Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God or the Spirit of God. Ignoring God's Word. You grieve Him. He's given you what you need. When you choose not to listen to it, it grieves you. It grieves the Father. It grieves the Son. It grieves the Spirit. Out of the depths of their love that is beyond our comprehension, they, of their own free will, have provided for us human beings, frail and weak, subject to sin, have provided for us a way for us to move from this world of sin and, and darkness to be translated into a world in the presence of God himself. And when we choose not to listen to the word of the Spirit, yes, he's grieved. It's not that just God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son it's the fact that God so loved David that Jesus died for the sins of David. And when David chooses not to listen to the love of the Father, yea, indeed, they're grieved. What more would I want them to do than what they have already done? They've given me a world that's beyond my comprehension. Everything I have, everything I am, and everything I shall be is because of him. Our desire, because of God's foreknowledge, is that we do sin and fall short. But God in his grace and in his mercy has always provided a way for our redemption for our restoration, and for our being able to come back to the Father again while there is still time. That's the hope that is laid out for us in this life. God loves us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have so loved us 
they provided a means of salvation. Will we avail ourselves to it? As his children, children do stumble and they do fall. Children are not always wise and make foolish mistakes. But God is still there as Father. It longs for us to acknowledge our wrong and return home. How do you describe that love? That he will willingly accept, restore, and renew that life with him again. But it's a decision that we have to make. He gave us that free will. He gave us that mind in which to choose. Will we use it wisely? As we look at our lives this morning, is, is it where it needs to be? Is there a need for us to make a change within our life? If we do, now is the time to do it. It may, do, it may be done privately, but it may be that you need the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ. But if we could help you or assist you in any way in making a life right with God, indeed we'd bid you to come as together we stand and sing. <laughs>